Hi, everybody. This is Houston popping in real quick. Jake, Brian, and I, we've found a lot of strength and unity in being able to hear from our fellow podcasters, our fellow YouTubers, just creators in general who have voiced their support of the Black Lives Matter movement going on right now in regards to the George Floyd protests and anti-police brutality moments. And we really felt like we could do nothing less than give our own support as well. Uh, We genuinely believe that this can be a pivotal moment for our country's history in terms of liberty, in terms of humanity, really, to push for changes or secure civil rights and protections. Uh, We are not, by any means, the best voices to lead the charge on this in any way. Uh, But we do want to help encourage you all to seek out those who have been suffering from racism and from oppression and listen to their stories. Uh, We also want to help encourage people to look for those organizations focused on making change. Uh, We will be providing links to different websites in our episode description of groups that are working every day to defend the rights of all of our African-American citizens. We... We want to share a thought on our minds, and we hope uh, we hope it can maybe help focus the conversation in a forward-moving direction. Um, this is something that we have seen personally for us that we think will influence some of our listeners. Uh, to preface this, we want to thank all of the outstanding police officers who every day hold to the highest moral values, do not put themselves above the law, and serve and protect in the truest sense. Uh, We also send our sympathies to all the families, businesses, and any other form of organization that has suffered from the intense writing going on. The three of us have family and friends that are in law enforcement, but who take their job very seriously. Uh, But even more importantly, take the lives of others, regardless of race, even more seriously. Uh, We also strongly disapprove of any opportunists who are taking advantage of the chaos going on right now to harm others in any way. That said, we know that discussions about all the good police officers out there and the terrible destructive writers can quickly overpower the conversation about equal rights and protections for people of color to the point that it diminishes the importance of this movement. And makes it harder for change to occur, really. We believe that ignoring the voices of our fellow citizens is one of the most dangerous crimes of all. Is the movement perfect? No. But are the issues that the protesters addressing important? Yes, absolutely. Stupid question. Duh. We want to make a goal to focus our language away from denouncing the flaws in these protests and instead focus on what we can do to ensure the liberties and freedoms that our citizens, and none more so than our African-American friends and family, have been fighting for for centuries. This, to us, is a very important issue, and if we can use this platform at all to help even one person feel more hopeful or united or do anything to prevent this moment, this critical moment, really, from passing in vain, then it is worth it to us. So be safe out there. And go do something or say something that will make you proud. 
Thank you, everybody. Are we good to just jump in? I think let's do it. I'm just jumping in. The episode has started. This is Welcome it. Welcome to the perfect oh, brainstorm. I am one of your three hosts, Houston Bodley. And I am also one of your three hosts. My name is Jake Bush. I am two of the three hosts. I'm Brian Perry. Wait, 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 wait. Guys, wait, wait. I just ate some brownies before this recording. Jake, you have some you have some issues going on there? You were calling out. Well, I don't understand how Brian is two of three. If you're one of three and I'm one of three, like the math doesn't work. It's one of the great mysteries. All right. Actually, I don't want to linger on that because I am more curious now about these brownies that Houston ate right before starting. This <laughs> yeah, that episode. is that was quite the intriguing lead in for the episode. I was going to say, I've been on a sugar craze all day and I feel like these brownies were spiked, but I made them and I did not spike them. But that's the kind of energy we're bringing tonight, guys. We're making a sequel. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a sequel to a movie we don't like. Because yep. that's our topic this evening. Let's just jump right into it. I don't. I don't want any of this small talk banter. I do this think is... there's one caveat we should give. I believe when we set up the the topic, it was something that we all hated, and I think we kind of had to step back from that because we couldn't quite get there. But they are at least ones that we all dislike. Yes. Um. Because yeah, for some reason Brian likes Dan in real life. I do kind of like Dan in real life, movies. but I I I I understand why people wouldn't like it. But it's one that that I have enjoyed quite a bit. Also, I really love that that was your suggestion, Jake, that you wanted to make a sequel to Dan in real life. Yeah. But there was something about that movie that just drew you to it. Let's actually start there with your choice, Jake. Uh, not Dan in real life, because no one cares about that movie. No one wants to see a sequel no. to it. But what movie do you want to make a sequel to that is a poor movie? So the year was 2018. I believe I was driving pizza delivery in the small town of Shelly, Idaho. No. Once <laughs> <laughs> Stories from Shelly. Okay, sorry. That's, that's Wait, normally how my. You were driving pizza. No, that's not. That's not anywhere close to being true, but I just felt like I should start with that because that's usually <laughs> okay, how my cool. stories start. Um, 2018. And I, my brother-in-law had me reading the dark tower series by Stephen King, which is a phenomenal book series and it's wild and it's crazy. And it's pretty much unlike any other book series I've ever read because it's like fantasy, but it's also like a Western and it's also like sci-fi and it's also just none of those things at the same time. Um, yeah. Well, the whole world was thrilled when we all found out that there was going to be a dark tower movie because the gunslinger was coming to the big screen and my brother-in-law gunslinger, bang, bang. We went on opening night and it was a big bucket of poo and we were <laughs> to say the least we were legitimately angry at how terrible it was like i feel like it was yeah. just probably one of like i i don't i don't say this lightly it may have been one of the worst movies i have ever paid money to go see ever no i take that back so it was the worst movie i've ever paid money to go see and that wow. is heartbreaking considering it's one of my favorite book series i'm gonna pipe in here with two questions or two thoughts Real quick, one, I don't like that I just jumped us right into the topic because now my vibe is all thrown off. This is weird for me. Um, we're already serious and discussing things. But then two, 
Jake, do you want to give our fellow listeners a real quick rundown about the Gunslinger series? What it's about, uh, <sighs> what they can expect from it? Because it is a great series. It's super awesome. I've read the first two books. I uh, have not gotten back to finishing the other ones. I was like you. I was very excited. But unlike you, I saw the writing on the wall in the form of the writing on fan uh, Rotten Tomatoes wall in that everyone was hating the movies. So I avoided it. And so did everyone else besides Jake Bush. And it made no money. So no one's seen the movie except for you. So why is it so bad? What's the story? And then why did it fail? Okay. So for and disclaimer, I also have not finished the entire book series. And you want to know why? Because I was in book five when the movie came out and it literally sucked out my will to continue reading. <laughs> That's how angry wow. and upset I was. Like I wanted nothing to do with any of it any longer. Um, <laughs> and enough. I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I feel like I'm almost to the point that I could go back and like jump back in. But I like, I didn't want that to be fresh on my mind when I was like reading. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's, it's, Kind of impossible it's a good thing you're describe. not doing anything to really bring up those memories, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so it is impossible to say what this movie was about because it was about nothing. And that is terrible considering that the book series is extremely deep and extremely long. Like I think, so it's seven books in total. And these are like hefty suckers. Like the first one's fairly short, but they get pretty long by like the third one. Like they're like good, like six, seven, eight hundred pagers. Um, and so it's basically about Roland. He's a gunslinger. A gunslinger is like the special class of person. Um, anybody who's like a diehard gunslinger fan, don't get mad at me that I might not remember all the details because it has been a while. But basically, then there's the man in black and he is kind of like Houston said, he is kind of the metaphorical devil in the scenario. And they live in the world in a time when the world has moved on, whatever that means. Um, and things are just kind of strange and things are kind of bizarre. And um, they are on this, Roland is on this quest to uh, make it to the dark tower. And it's kind of like intentionally ambiguous what's going to happen when they get there, but they know that it's like vitally important for like the salvation of the world. Um, okay. The dark so it's tower, some sort of prophecy, I assume, or something like that. Something like that. Like the dark tower lies at the center of the earth or the center or not the center of the earth, like not like the core, but like it's like everything emanates from the dark tower. The dark tower it holds is everything. all the different it's dimensions like what together. Holds, okay. It's like what right? holds and reality it together or something comes tumbling down. Um, then reality as we know it comes crushing down. Yeah, because there's different dimensions going on here. We're, we're good to spoil, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert. to everyone. But well, the thing is, I'm, I'm honestly not that too. I'm not too worried about spoilers because like I said, I haven't actually even finished the series and it's been long yeah. enough. So I'm basically, I'm not giving plot right now. I'm giving premise. Um, but the thing that, so the thing about it um, then, you know, so you got Roland who is in this like dimension and trying to save the dark tower. And then you've got Jake who is from like 1970s, New York um, or maybe 1980s, New York. <laughs> um, and then you have kind of a slew even of other characters in delivering pizza. No stories from Shelly in Idaho. And so and he gets hit by a horse. This is this is the problem. This is the problem with the movie. So in like what I thought is like, oh, cool. They're going to make the first movie of the first book because there is plenty of content in the first book to 
make a feature length film, right? Okay. But I guess they probably just like didn't have funding for like an entire franchise of movies or they didn't want to or something. Cause basically what they did is they just tried to like cherry pick one little thing from each movie or one little thing from each book. And they just kind of mashed it all together in this super bizarre hodgepodge of a crap fest of a movie. So it's like a reverse Hobbit. Yeah. It's like, so like I came out of the movie theater and like, like I said, my brother-in-law and I were like crushed at how terrible it was. I was like, there were like things in it that I was like, what was that character? Or like, what were those things that were just like randomly showing up? And he's like, dude, those come along in like book six or book seven. Like it was literally like they tried to just take, they just tried to take like a story element from every single one of these 800 page books and just mash it into one confusing, like completely nonsensical movie. And, and that's the thing is like the books are very bizarre and they're very weird. And so it takes a lot of time for you to like, kind of figure out what's going on. You have to sort of buy in. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like, I, to me, you know, I had read five of the books and I was still like completely lost at what in the world was taking place on screen before me. But I can't imagine people who had like never even read the books. Like, it would just seem like. So, does it go through the very end of the series? Well, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't even really. I mean, I wouldn't know all that well since I haven't finished the series, but it, it just like, it, it basically threw everything out the window. Like, it's it's a terrible movie inspired by the Dark Tower series that makes no sense. Because the reason I ask is like I don't know where to go on a sequel, so I'm really interested to hear what what. Yeah, that was going to be my leading question of. So the premise of this episode, we're taking again just to reiterate, we're taking movies that we didn't like but we thought had potential. We want to make a direct sequel uh, that can save the franchise. So um, yes, we might need to take some liberties with this, but are you thinking like? a reboot within like a canonical reboot within the series as in like it is the characters but they just have to go back in time and repeat some of the story events or i i guess i'll let Here's you they do you pitch it to me a hallmark of the dark tower series which makes it really cool is all of this like cross-dimensional travel right and in fact there's one part of the dark tower books where they actually run into Stephen King <laughs> named Stephen King, like who was the author of the dark. Okay. Tower that's series. what I, that's what I was going to ask about. So the, it does have this meta element, right? Yeah. It's very, like there's a lot of meta to it. It's very meta. Um, yeah, the the so. author literally wrote himself into the book as himself. That's how like meta it is. And so this is my thought. The, the movie begins with Roland just like waking up on the beach and it's almost is like Roland the gunslinger. Roland, yeah, Roland is, is the gunslinger. gunslinger. And he's there. Is he Idris Elba? Yes, he is. Yeah. Idris so we Elba. probably should clarify the two, the two main actors that most people know from this movie are Idris Elba, who is Roland, the titular gunslinger. Um, and then the, the titular man in dark black. tower, <laughs> the titular dark tower. <laughs> he is a tower of a man and dark at, and he is dark. <laughs> and then the man in black who is portrayed by the very white Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Oh, I forgot McConaughey was in this. Yeah, it was probably the worst movie he's I ever could, been I didn't in. even recognize him on the cover. Like, that's the other thing is you would think that it would have been like a good movie. Like, they had big names in it. You know what I mean? 
relatively big names. I guess like yeah. at the time Idris Elba wasn't huge, but he was still well known, you know. I mean, he'd been in, he'd been in Thor and had been in Yeah. quite a bit of stuff Marvel-wise. This came out 2 years after he was in like Finding Dory and Zootopia. Yeah, and no, he was he's Star a Trek peak. Beyond. Yeah. I think he was already at peak by this. Um here's a question. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the Dark Tower series. This claims that the film serves as a sequel to the events of the Dark Tower. What? <laughs> no. This is but saying it's that called the, movie, the Dark Tower. The movie is a sequel to the series. But that doesn't that makes seem right. Even less sense than the movie did. Like maybe they just tried what, to what, Okay, when I go to the actual page for the movie, it says it is an adaptation and continuation of the novel series of the same name. I think that's just code for So it's just like you're saying it makes like it is inspired the, by the Dark Tower, but don't hold us to actually portray any of the story I on screen. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so basically what we learn is the writers had no idea what they were doing and they're just like, "Oh, it's a, a sequel." Um The music is by the Junkie books. XL. It's almost like the, the writers The music for this movie is by Junkie XL. Junkie XL. Junkie Junkie XL does like remixes. <laughs> Well, that's concerning. Like, the only thing I know of Junkie XL is him doing remixes of, of other songs. Interesting. Maybe they did remixes of, like, Lord of the Rings <laughs> score music for Kay. this. Or okay. some so, other fantasy novel. I'm ready to pitch my sequel. Are you guys ready? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to lean pretty heavily on the meta element. Because we're going to have to. Because we're going to have to address the terrible first movie in the second movie. Uh-huh. So basically what I happens, was really hoping you would. It's just is, a biopic of Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's going to happen is so there's a there's a, like an element of um, like doors to different dimensions. Like doors will like appear on the beach, and if they walk through the door, it takes them to another dimension, right? So uh, the okay. main characters wake up on the beach, and they're just kind of staring at each other. Like it, it starts right after the movie ended, and Roland lights a fire, and he does some sort of ritual that allows him to have a vision. Okay. And the purpose of this vision is they want to find and locate the man who wrote and directed that terrible movie that they just lived through. Oh, <laughs> so then that's interesting. Okay. What they do is they go through a door and this is like the, this is like the pre title sequence. Okay. So like, this is just right out the okay. gate. They go through the door to the other dimension. They find the writer slash director. He's like, asleep in bed in Hollywood in 2020. Yes. And what they do is they drag him screaming through the portal. And then the movie is just a shot by shot remake of the first book. And they force the director to suffer through all of it to make things right. (laughs) (laughs) Because so it's this meta. It satisfies the watchers. It satisfies the audience on many levels. You get, you get like justice and vengeance for the the horrible thing that was done to the series with the first movie, yeah. and you also just get a clean slate of actually starting the Dark Tower series in film format. Yeah, and that's my well, pitch. I like it because it means I don't have to see the first one to understand exactly. it. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because you it's... just get, you just get to see like the Mystery Science Theater three thousand version of it yeah yeah, that's really interesting except the except instead of sitting in the theater watching it they're in the movie in that world talking about why it's wrong and fixing it as they go yeah so well no so like 
basically the director slash writer is now just a part of their party and they have to go save the dark tower and basically just like like it's essentially like a punishment to the writer and director that they have to drag him along on this like horrifying and like dangerous quest because they're like hey what you did was messed up and you have to make things right by saving the world and saving the dark tower and we're going to do this the right way you know what i mean yeah can i add something to this pitch yes that i think would be interesting i'm looking at the wikipedia page on this production on this movie began as far back as 2007 with jj abrams what wow but within two years jj abrams was like nope this isn't working i'm passing it off to my good friend ron howard at universal what? pictures ron howard for five years speculated what to do with this movie and then he's like nope this is a lost cause here you go no name nicola arsel um i think we bring jj and ron howard back in oh yeah and they have to help them out. Okay, what like, if hey, it's you just like dump this project on me? I don't know what I'm doing. You guys make it good. What if it's JJ, Ron Howard, and Stephen King all not playing themselves? We get actors to play them, and they are sort of the heroes that come in and clean up. Okay. <laughs> I like this. Because like I think that Stephen King would have sort of this like revenge mentality because this happens to him all the time, right? His stuff gets adapted and it's nothing like he wants, right? Like The Shining yeah, is a classic Shining. Example, he didn't right? like The Shining. But The Shining is one where it's like, okay, a lot of people love The Shining movie. Right. However, this is universally hated, The Dark Tower film. Yeah. So, like, so I feel like Stephen King is like, oh, I wish I could fix The Shining, but like, I'm against the world on this one because people love The Shining. But on The Dark Tower, I finally have my chance to get revenge, he, he, right? right? Wait, wait. What if... Stephen King actually loves the movie and he's the antagonist of this. And he's trying That's to stop them from remaking it. <laughs> That's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, and it's Stephen King playing a fictionalized version of himself. So like he really actually hates it, but he just wants to add that. Like they just spell it. his name with um, a V instead of a PH. So here's an interesting question. I'm looking at the cast. There's a, an actor named Dennis Haysbird who played Stephen Roland's father. Is that Stephen King? Mm. I mean, canonically, I don't think so, but it might not have been a coincidence that his name was Steven. Dennis Haysbert is the, the guy on the Allstate commercials. What? The the, the really deep voice the guy. The deep voice guy. Who's who, the president oh. in the Dark Tower, or the 24 series? Yes, him. So he is, uh, he plays a guy named Steven, so I guess it's just a coincidence. Yeah, I guess so. Is that how Stephen King visualizes himself? That'd As be Roland's father. Maybe. Um, I think J.J. Abrams and Ron Howard are playing realistic versions of themselves where they're both coming off. Ron Howard's like, man, I just did everything I could to uh, get Solo back on track. And J.J. Abrams is like, man, people like were screaming at me because of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Like, screw Star Wars. Let's go save some other franchise that people aren't as passionate about, but we have a chance of saving. And so that's like kicking off this adventure. They're both coming out of Star Wars and like, okay, Ron had some experience of uh, supposedly saving the solo movie from where is that? JJ needs some redemption. They're teaming up, taking on a franchise that has less heat behind it, and it can only go up from here. I think that's a good way to like, let Ron Howard get some more spotlight on what he's done and give JJ a chance to save himself. Love it. Yeah. I think 
I think maybe this is a good spot to move on to our other ones, uh, and then we can come back to this. Yeah, we pretty yeah, much uh, figured it'd be good to get get sort of a base concept for all of our. We our pretty much already hit that one out of the park, so I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah, pretty <laughs> solid. We got the premise. I don't know how much more we can do with it. Yeah, but Brian, uh, you have a what might be our most controversial pick. It is pretty controversial. However, we all agreed that all three of us do not like this movie. Uh, Jake, I don't believe you've seen it. I have not. Um, we we hadn't seen yours, so I guess that's fair. Um, the movie is 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I did reference uh, as we were picking the topic. This is by far my least favorite movie. Um, it is art. It is uh, an important film. It's considered one of the greatest movies of all time. It's the, the birth of science fiction in cinema. It's a garbage piece of movie. <laughs> a garbage piece of <laughs> movie. We can agree it's important. <laughs> It's a garbage piece of movie is what it I It is say. the most important garbage piece of movie, but yes. it's garbage. So like what makes it important? I guess um, is my first question. So it, it, it made a lot of strides in sort of technology and sort of visuals and um, like scientific realism. I actually listened to a podcast about it in preparation for this. To, I was kind of like, I should understand more about people, why people like it. Um, and, and the people who, even these people who loved it admitted that it was not an entertaining movie. Hmm. But they said, "Oh, it is a, um, it's a beautiful movie, and it, uh, it's good to watch if you're on acid." And <laughs> it, it's the only movie that I have heard people say, "Like, yeah, you've got to watch it like three or four times, and then you'll appreciate it." I yeah. don't think any other movie gets that pass. I, I, I feel like I don't need to spend too much time on it. Basically, they gave the recommend, like they they talk about whether or not they recommend it at the end of the episode, and they basically said. The, the one newcomer, two, the two of them were like hardcore film fans or whatever, and they recommended it. But the last one was kind of on the fence, and he said, he finally his recommendation was, as a movie, I don't know if I can recommend it, but as like sort of an experience or a like a work of art, it's something you should experience. So like I, I sort of had to like acknowledge like, yes, like I, I'm not some like, I don't know. I felt like, why, why am I the only person who understands how terrible this is? I think everyone understands that it's very weird and messed up, but uh, there are some important things that that it did, and and a lot of things that we've seen in sci-fi since have sort of uh, been because of it. So great, but like it is not a. This good is movie the to watch. one. Okay, so I had like whenever when you brought this up, I had like one line or one scene in my mind, and it's where a guy is like talking to a computer trying to get him to open a door or something. Yep. Yep. I'm afraid I can't do that. That's what it is. Yep. And and the computer's yeah. name is Hal 9000. Mm. Um, I wish it was Brian Cranston's voice playing Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. That's that would have that would have easily changed the movie from a one star to a three star for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, let me give like a quick like attempt at a plot breakdown. There really isn't much plot, but there is kind of a a there's sort of a through line. Anyway, here's what happens in it. The first 20 minutes is monkeys just like hanging out and like messing around. Um, they're not monkeys. They're like cavemen, like ape hybrid type people basically saying, Hey, long ago, this is what life was like. They just kind of jumped around and they, they hung out. Apparently they were played by French mimes, which I didn't know. <laughs> but anyway, this monolith appears and this giant sort of door looking black wall thing appears big rectangle and they see it and they are affected by it somehow. And one of them all of a sudden is like, Oh, I could use this bone as a weapon. 
and kill other monkeys. And it's like, whoa, technology. Whoa, there's this weird monolith inspiring our ancestors. And that's that's how humanity started progressing. And the first thing we did was kill people. Wow. And then he throws the bone <laughs> in the air. And then it cuts to future day or present day, I guess, which is 2001. And the, it, the bone turns into the spaceship. And it's supposed to be symbolic about technology. And then basically uh, uh, the same monolith or a, or a similar one appears on the moon. And then there's a space virus on the moon. Oh, no. And therefore they're like, how do we solve this? So they're like, oh, another monolith appeared on the far side of Jupiter. We should send a team to investigate that. And maybe that will help us figure out what to do here. And so this, uh, this crew uh, on the discovery one is sent for Jupiter and their crew, the people on the crew do not matter at all. The computer is called Hell 9000. Um, and at some point, Hell 9000 makes a mistake, apparently. Um, okay. And this is, I like, the re- only reason I understand any of this is because I got this podcast interpretation of what was going on. Um, there, there's a little more conversation in the portion where Hell 9000 is with the, the humans on the mission. But most of it is like long periods of like silence or just classical music with pictures of planets flying around. Hmm. But I, I think it's safe to say that the cinematography for this was very groundbreaking yeah. enough so that uh, Stanley Kubrick, who was the director of this, was the big source that people pointed to for the moon landing filming. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, how he got the job. Believe yeah, for people who believe that that's <laughs> his happen, me- resume building. A lot of them point to this incident of look how real he made it look like these yeah. guys were in space. He also did the moon landing filming with Neil Armstrong and crew. And, and I had, so I've heard this theory several times. I didn't realize 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in 1968. So Whoa. that's like quite the timing. So anyway, yeah. um, basically the computer makes a mistake and realizes that the humans know it made a mistake. And so they decide they need to shut it off and then it kills them in self-defense. So that's, that's what that is. Whoa. So Dave gets, gets locked out and he's like, Hey, Hal, open the pod bay doors. And, uh, so Hal says, you know, I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. And, uh, I think it's also to say that he's protecting humanity from these humans because they are going to kill people by survive. Anyway, I don't know. The, the computer goes crazy and kills people. Um, but there's one guy who survives and then there's, and then it gets really trippy and he like gets to Jupiter. And then all of a sudden he is in this room that looks like a hotel room. And there's an old man in a bed. Who is that old man? It's himself. Matthew McConaughey. Oh wait. No, it's himself, <laughs> but it's he is Jack Torrance McConaughey. in the overlook hotel. Oh man. Um, so they actually pointed that it out. Was that- the prequel to the shining Stanley Kubrick's other movie. No, so yeah, so he's in this room and he sees himself as an old man dying in bed and then the monolith appears and it's like, whoa, and he like flies into the monolith and then he turns into a space baby. And not okay. just a space baby, a giant space baby. A like, giant space fetus. He's bigger than the moon at this point. Yeah. So here's a question. Why does that happen? <laughs> no one knows. I don't know. There is no explanation. There's literally so many conspiracy theories behind this of what does this mean? What was Stanley Kubrick trying to tell us? I think in all his brilliance, he was just like, hey, you know, it'd be a fun joke making this (laughs) absurd movie 
and trying to get people to dissect my work and just being like, nope, still got to keep working on it. There's more to it. And just seeing how long he could pull this along and just, well, Arthur C. Clarke also wrote it and he was, he was kind of a, a, a genius science writer of the time. And I think Stanley Kubrick sort of took, took the reins a little bit more and uh, sort of pulled it away from Arthur C. Clarke's vision of it. Um, Cause originally it was going to be narrated and it was going to be intercut with like real scientists explaining different things about like, and this is what space is like, uh, <laughs> but they sort of pulled away from that. And That'd be a anyway, movie. it's, it's a wild movie. It's very hard to pin down a plot, but that's it as best as I can tell. Um, so, so hit I us with was your like, sequel, huh? Hit us with your sequel. Okay. So I was actually like, like pretty stuck on this. I was like, how can I stay true to the original and also make something that I could stand to watch? And luckily I actually came across an idea that I actually was going to do dedicate a whole episode to, which is making a movie adaptation of a, they might be giant song. Ooh. <laughs> There is a They Might Be Giants song called 2082 that I'm absolutely sure was inspired by 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, so basically what I'm saying is... So another thing I should point out, 2001 already has a sequel. Um, oh, really? But this basically, is to me. Yeah, I think it kind of what it does is it just deconstructs the first movie and says, oh, let's explain why that happened. Let's explain why that happened. And it's kind of people just investigating the first movie, I think. And I think it's just generally seen as not very good um, and not very important like the first one. So um, it's not important and I'm going to ignore that it exists for the sake of mine. We're re- it's a reboot. Uh, we're doing a soft reboot. Of I, this I actually just think we can just ignore. I, I, I think it can just be still part of the canon. I don't think anything significant happens in it. So it just it happened, whatever. But here's here's what's going to happen in this here's movie. the next chapter. Yeah. So. 2082, I don't think can be the name of the movie. So here's what's different. The first one is a space odyssey, right? 2001, a space odyssey. This one's a time odyssey. Whoa. Uh-huh. So that's the, I think that's the, the name is going to be 2082, a space odyssey. Uh, but we'll see how we feel. Wait, you mean 2082, so, I mean, 2082, a time 2082 odyssey. A time... I mean, a time odyssey. Yes. Okay. Is it? So what's the general premise? Where are they exploring this time? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a part in 2001 where he is having a video chat with his daughter at the very start of the movie, um, this guy who survives to the end. And he's like, oh, sorry, I can't make it for your birthday party or something. I have to work or whatever, go on this mission. Um, So the the sequel is going to center on his daughter. Ooh. Um, She is going to sort of be looking into what happened to her father on this mission. And so she's now an adult. Say so the the start of the movie starts in 2020. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 2020. She's now an adult. She's in her 20s, and she is whatever a physicist and astronomer, whatever whatever scientist job would make sense for her to be investigating this, because um, she's dedicated her life to figuring out what happened to her dad, um, and in the process creates a time machine. The monolith appears to her. And she's like, wait, we need to make, we need to take this up a notch, up a dimension where we need time travel to figure this out. Okay. So she builds a time machine and Liking it so far. in the meantime, in the meantime, space baby's growing up. Oh no. Okay? <laughs> and space baby 
shrinks down to normal baby size when it's born. Because it, it actually is a fetus. So it actually, like, when it's not a fetus and it's a baby, it, it only makes sense for my movie if it becomes normal human size. So. Wait, is it just like, wait a minute. So, like, is it just like. It go. Oh, I'm trying to conceptualize this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a giant baby, the size I, of Jupiter, but it somehow somehow turns into a normal human sized man. Is what you're saying? Well, there's a lot of like ambiguity about whether or not it really is that huge, or if it's just perspective. It's just in the um, foreground, <laughs> but it is big. Yeah. So anyway, it, it is a it is a giant fetus of some form in the end of the first movie, but. We're just going to assume that somehow, and we're not going to explain it, right? Because we're trying, no, staying true to the, the we original. We're staying true to the original, like you said. So um, we're not going to explain it, but she, the baby comes to Earth, and, and they've somehow figured out that he is connected to his daughter, right? And so she raises her dad as her child. Wow. Oh, that's okay? trippy. It, it does, isn't it appropriate? So he ra- she raises her, her dad as her son, and as once she gets this this uh, this time machine going, she's maybe like five or six years older than him. Let's make it ten years older to make it a little more normal that she's a motherly figure to him. And she brings him in the time machine with her. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Hold on. I figured something else better for, better than that. She's not going in the time machine. She builds the time machine. She is mission control, running the thing from home. Okay. Okay. But she has built an AI version of herself called Hallie 10,000. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> but Hallie 10,000 is not going to, is Hallie 10,000 never goes evil. Okay. Don't worry okay. about that. Okay. Good to but know. the whole time, people are going to be like, oh, man, it's going to go evil, right? It doesn't. It's twistery. Is it played yeah. by Halle Berry? So that's, a po- that's definitely a possibility, actually. Um, so, anyway. So now the, now the main plot of the story is the same guy from the first movie, but now as like a younger 20-year-old, um, he is going forward into his own future to try and figure out what happened to himself in the first movie. Okay? Okay. Wait, didn't he turn into and a space so, baby? Well, yes, but he doesn't know why, right? Okay. Gotcha. I'm going to be honest. I'm so confused on this premise. Yes, as much good. as I was with the premise of the original Space Odyssey, so that you've got a green light for me to go forward <laughs> on making the sequel. Okay, so let me explain. So this is the part that is based on the song. All of that is stuff that I had to sort of re- sort of create myself to force it to work with the They Might Be Giants plot. So here's what the song says. It says, uh, remove your helmet. Imagine the AI, imagine Haley or Halley 10,000 saying this. Remove your helmet. First, equalize the pressure. No, but first take readings to be sure. The atmosphere is safe. Yes, it's safe. Okay. So he is hearing this. And I think her, her, uh, her voice is just in his time suit, right? I don't think he's in a spaceship. I think he's just in a suit. He's in a time suit. He's got this AI talking to him in the time suits. It's like, it looks like a space suit though, but it is a time suit. Would that this hoodie were a time hoodie. (laughs) Uh, So he's in this suit and this voice is speaking to him, sort of like giving him reading. It's similar to like, uh, What's her face on on uh, Spider Man suit on Tony Stark's suit? Same uh, thing, right? Friday, Friday, exactly. Yeah. So it's similar to that. Um, it's sort of giving your readings and giving you advice and sort of 
helping you sum up the situation. But she obviously has more of a personality. So he, she's sort of his sidekick. So um, then it says, as the ancient one cranes his neck to look, you see his hands been replaced with a hook. But it's clear you're very much alive. It's 2105. So first he jumps to 2080. Well, so basically, let me... Ugh, this is very hard to explain. So there's poetry involved with this. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I am taking this, this from song lyrics. So This is true art right here. You're yeah. doing it, Brian. I applaud you. Thank you. So basically what he's doing is he's jumping forward in increments of his own life. Okay? So he, he maybe he jumps forward five years tracks himself down, takes some notes. He's like, all right, let's jump ahead 10 years, right? That kind of thing. So as he's doing this, he hits the year 2082, and that's where the scene I just described takes place. Okay. He finds himself, he's very old. He would be 81 at this age, right? Yes. Because Space Baby was born in 2001. So he sees himself as a very old man, and his his hook's been replaced with a hand. Sorry, hand's been replaced with a hook. Uh, I needed it to rhyme, so I mixed it up. Um, and it's like, wow, I'm still alive at 80, 81 years old. This is crazy, but it's like, he's very old. He's in a bed and he's like, wait, this is like that. I, I, I'm starting to remember that I've seen myself as an old man before. Right? Yes. So, so that's, that's a tie into 2001, but it's actually not that important yet. So he keeps jumping forward. He, he goes and it's all of a sudden it's 2105. He's like, wait, I'm still alive. I'm 104 years old. Then the song goes, no, it's 2240. No, it's 3415. Similar to the time machine, he loses control of his time suit and starts jumping forward rapidly, okay? Okay. And, and he keeps finding himself, and he's still alive. And it's like, what the heck? How is this guy still alive, right? <laughs> it literally says, how can you still be living? What does this mean? At this stage, he's, he's finally, he finally feels like he understands what happened on his mission to Jupiter, in 2001. And as he realizes it, he realizes I have to kill my future self. Okay. Okay. Are you following me so far? Uh, I mean, if we use the term follow pretty liberally, yes. Okay. Good. Like I'll be, the brownies are kicking in real hard right now. This is, <laughs> good, this is good. a lot to swallow, Brian. Um, so, so what happens is he's, he does some calculations. He works it out with Halley 10,000. And they're, they're talking about like, okay, something, something unnatural happened. I was given a new lease on life, but that new lease on life came at the price of surviving way beyond what I was supposed to. Okay. I became a God and I wasn't supposed to, something went wrong. I am now living in this state and, and the, my, my future life is going to be this drudgery that, that I, I'll hit 81 years old and my life will be over, but then I'll just keep going forever thousands of years. So what he realizes is, okay, they calculate the optimum time that he should die just based on when he's fulfilled everything he's supposed to based on the point where his, his enjoyment of life has no value. Uh, and he says, okay, I'm going to stop myself from living past that because I will only cause more problems. And I think he also, as he's going forward, he starts seeing things going wrong with the universe, right? There's, there's glitches. There's, um, there's sort of tears in the fabric of space-time because he doesn't understand why he keeps living, right? Okay. And things start to go wrong with the rest of the world. So he decides, I have to save the universe by killing myself in the year 2082. Okay? That's the optimum year. That's the year that I was supposed to die. 
but something went wrong. I need to fix it. Okay. So it's back to the future, except his goal, instead of is making himself live in the past, it's making himself die in the future. Okay. Whoa. Okay. I, I think you I think you win this one, Brian. I think you put <laughs> more thought into this episode for something you legitimately hate than we have um, put into this whole <laughs> podcast thus far. Okay, so here's the thing. I literally didn't because I'm literally just stealing the plot from this song. Okay. But you because you traced the next a thing word that happens picture. in the song. Huh? You traced a word picture that is riveting. And confusing all at the same time. I imagine that's what people hope to get out of Space Odyssey. Yeah. Okay, but it at least has it has some plot, right? I've been able to describe it in terms of plot, which you can't do with 2001. That's absolutely true. So here's what happens next, okay? This part I will just read as the lyrics, okay? You must honor and respect the older fellow, even as you suffocate him with his pillow. Though you're strong, he was wise. There is much you can learn from the sage, and though you'll leave and travel back to your own age, you will meet again, you two, in 2082, okay? Whoa. He goes back. He's like, okay, this is going to be easy. I can kill my future self because I'm just a very old dying man. He starts suffocating his his own self from the future, and this is is Hallie 10,000 talking to him. This will be like the iconic, like, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that. It's going to be a positive, like, hey, you should think about what you're doing because wouldn't it be great to learn from this person? Think about what, what you're doing, Dave. Right. What are you doing? And I, I guess his name is still Dave, huh? Yeah. I guess it's the same guy. <laughs> I actually hadn't thought about the protagonist's name until right now. <laughs> now you have it. <laughs> so, um, th- but the problem is that this, this old version of himself can't speak, right? He's so feeble. And so he just can't speak, right? We don't have to explain that part. Like anything. We don't have to explain anything in this movie. That's kind of like the point. So as he is killing this guy to save the future future, he has to sort of reckon with this, this problem. He has to deal with the fact that he's missing out on learning the wisdom of this person. The, the, The main character, the young version of him, he's like, I am, I am strong and I have this ability to time travel, but nothing is like the experience of having lived a life the way he has. Right. This old man has so much knowledge. I wish I could get that from him. And as the old man dies, the the voice in his in his suit reminds him, "You will meet again, you two, in 2082." When he's the old man. What was the look he gave intended to convey? Was there something else he was trying to say? It will all be revealed to you in 2082. So the message of it is, well, this isn't a message. Uh but basically the thing that that ties it all together is the fact that He's feeling all this regret. He recognizes that he has to kill his future self in order to save the future future. But in doing so, he's missing out on all this wisdom, but he'll learn it anyway because he's going to go back and live his life. And then by the time it's 2082, naturally, he will understand what the old man understood and he will have saved the day. Well, there we go. That's the end. I think you put a perfect lacy bow on it it's it's uh, i don't i wouldn't argue that it's a good movie but, but i would argue but it, that it is it's a it, watchable movie based on a terrible movie and it respects the original i think that's yes, important it's, it's still weird enough that it feels like it's a logical yeah that's a hard word to say it's a logical sequel to 2001 um i think Boom, we put, thank you they might be giants i think we put denis villeneuve 
as the director on this. He was the one who did Blade Runner 2049. So he's okay. already good with future dates. Yes. Um, and Blade Runner 49 is, or Blade Runner the original is another one of those trippy sci-fi predecessor yeah. movies. He was able to I respect actually thought it. about calling it 2034 and saying, okay, the time from the mo- the first movie being released to the year it was supposed to take place, just take that distance again, just like they did with Blade Runner. But then I had this 2082 idea and liked it too much. And it would also have to be 33 years from now because... Well, the- I, I would say you'd make it 33 years from 2001 just because they they had the advantage of making the movie in the year that the, the movie was supposed to take place. We don't have that advantage. So That's anyway. Fair. Well, I think you did it. I'm going to keep my pitch real quick just to sneak it in. Um, <laughs> okay. Take your time. How, what? We're only at 47 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take another 47 minutes. Um, that's that's two-thirds of an episode. <laughs> I'll give us some time to take a breather. Okay. But just soak it in. Real quick pitch. I'm on an elevator. Hit that elevator music. Bing. Okay. Remember that great movie from your childhood. Airbud. It's called Super Mario Brothers. You I didn't actually, actually like it. You, if you were like me, you went to Blockbuster as a five-year-old. You saw, oh, I like these video games. Let me check this out. Checked it out. Got halfway through the movie. I was like, now I know what taste is. I, I've learned this. I've grown. I'm an adult. And these I've gained pe- a sense. And these people who film these movies are not adults. They are not mature. Um, Super Mario Brothers is often recited as one of the worst movies to ever be associated with the word cinema. Um, it's starring Bob Hoskins. It's starring John Leguizamo. Which, as, how do you go wrong with those guys? I actually like both of them. I like both of them too. But uh, I think they themselves were okay. I don't think they had a lot to go with. But they were the titular Mario and Luigi, which we found out their names are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. That was actually kind of a funny joke if the whole movie was a little more self-aware. Uh, They were not because Bowser is this weird albino uh, dictator who's like not even a lizard until the end. And then he's this weird like Theodore Rex monster. Uh, The Goombas are seven feet tall. Uh, Toad is like a drug dealer, which actually that's pretty funny. But that's that's a funny thing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, But Yoshi is like this weird mucus bird. Um, So that's scary. They use the mushrooms as shields and everything is really gross and dingy and it's not fun and it 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 needs saving. And no one has touched it because, I mean, honestly, how do you replicate the Mario Kingdom, the Mushroom right. Kingdom? I have the answer. We are, like, we are sort of in a, in a new golden age of video game movies, right? Like video game movies are doing well again. I mean, Sonic, I think, did pretty well. The Sonic saved Three letters. Who would have thought? Three Sega would save Sega would save the future of Nintendo. And thus we are getting <laughs> the long awaited, highly anticipated sequel to super Mario brothers. Unfortunately, Bob Hoskins has passed away. Yes. Fortunately, John Leguizamo is still alive. Yes. He is a little old though. I don't think he's going to be jumping and hitting those high coin blocks. I don't think so for too much long. So we already need to make this a passing of the torch movie. Um, okay. You know what some other movies are that could I use... I am aware of other movies. 
<laughs> Do you know of other movies besides Super Mario Brothers? Name five, I dare you. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'll name two of them right now. Ghostbusters 2016 okay. and Ghostbusters 2 from the 1980s. Okay. Um, both not good movies. Both needing some redemption. I, I'm proposing we take all three of these movies. It's the it's directly Super Mario Brothers sequel, but okay. we're taking those spiritually. And we are creating Luigi's Mansion, the movie. Ooh. We're going to start. I'm into it already. A Mushroom Kingdom universe, starting with John Leguizamo, who had to bear through that hideous crisis that is the 1990s Super Mario Brothers. Give him a chance for redeeming himself. Cool. John Leguizamo is a hero by this point. Everyone knows Luigi. Everyone respects Luigi. Mario has passed away, yeah. unfortunately. Hold on. Can I stop you for a second? I just wanted to make a quick, just a quick programming note. Let's let this episode go long because I'm really into this. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't rush this. I'm, I'm like psyched to hear about the Luigi Mansion movie. Um, Honestly, the pitch, like the actual plot we can work with. And maybe you guys can help me with that. So but hold I up, get real quick. Down. I have just, a, uh, just some clarifying questions because... In my head, like it, on a serious note, I feel like you actually could make a very successful Super Mario Bros. movie, but it would be like entirely CGI, like, or at least probably, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because then you could have the characters actually look like the characters. But is this going to be true to the source material in the sense that like this is Luigi's Mansion starring live John action. Leguizamo and it's live action? Look, I think it has to be look. Justice League was basically a CGI movie with real actors. It was despised, and yet it's still getting a remake coming to HBO 2021. I I think these are iconic characters. I think we have the technology that if we're just smart about this, if we do it right, if we do it respectfully, we can eventually build to the Super Smash Bros. movie, which was a previous episode uh, on the Silver Screen Redemption podcast. I think we yes. revived that one, bring it back, do another casting, uh, uh, the perfect cast. Hey, can uh, I have a tan- can I have then. like a really quick a really quick tangent? Since Brian said that the episode can go along, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'll make it quick. I had a dream. I had a dream the other night, and it was basically sitting around the living room with my family including my wife, my two sisters, and my parents. And everybody was sitting there looking at their phones, and they all had their headphones on, and they were all, like, laughing really hard. And I was like, what are you guys all listening to? And they're like, oh, we're all listening to this awesome podcast. It's called The Silver Screen Redemption. Um, they're <laughs> like, it's these two guys that make unnecessary movie sequels, and it's fantastic. And I was like, wait, that's like, I'm on that podcast now. What do you? And they're like, no, no, it like, this is Silver Screen Redemption. It's just two guys. And they're like, and then like they kind of changed the format and this third guy came on and it kind of jumped the shark at that point. But it, we're really, really into Silver Screen Redemption. <laughs> and I was like really upset. And anyway, that's an actual dream that I had about wow. two nights ago. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Wow. So what you're saying is let's fire Jake and then proceed back to and our And then we can podcast. finally get Jake's family to listen to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. We've been needing those subscribers for so long. <laughs> Anyway, Anyways, continue. That was my tangent. I appreciate your input, and I want it to be in this movie, Jake. Because let you. me tell you this. You know you know those random Mario Kart characters that show up every now and again? The baby Mario and baby Luigi? 
Yes. Yeah. What if they're grown up now? What if that's a yep? That's good. You did it. Teenage they, Mario and Teenage were, Luigi. Uh, <laughs> we'll make them a little older. Here's why: they've heard the stories of their dads. They like. There's all this awe and respect for the great Mario and Luigi. Luigi's obviously a little overshadowed. I think that theme is portrayed out or played out in the movie a little bit because Mario's just passed away. What are we going to do without the great Mario? Um, Luigi's son, Luigi Jr., who is going to be played by Diego Luna. Oh, solid. um, Reaches out to his dad and is like, hey, like, I know you're sad about your your good brother Mario Mario uh he was my uncle I am Luigi Mario Jr um I got these I got these free tickets it's specifically for you me and uh our my cousin your nephew Mario Mario Jr who is going to be played by Oscar Isaacs um, Oscar Isaac is solid. I was thinking Milo Ventimiglia, but I'm fine with uh, Oscar Isaac. Ooh, that's a pretty good one too. Uh, yeah. Right now they're interchangeable because uh, <laughs> they're not going to be in the movie. Spoilers. Oh, or, okay. Or, or not in it that much. Because um, I think Luigi I, is the underdog. We need to kick off this series. Can I have? Get can I put to, in like a request? I want to yes. make sure that like even though they're grown up, everyone in the film. St- Still calls them baby Mario and baby Luigi because it's just like the name is just like stuff. <laughs> I think that's fun. And everybody's got like it's like this big it's... Italian family and they're just like, hey, baby Mario. But he's like 25. Baby Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a it's a cool like, hey, no one puts baby in the corner. Right. Exactly. And you, and you make some of those jokes. What a baby Mario Luigi? related. So it's like <laughs> no one puts baby in a pipe or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Put that baby in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's all the all these actors. Um, because it never made sense why John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins were brothers, because they definitely don't look like they're related. I think they literally were like, we want sort of a a stockier guy and a tall skinny guy. Like that's all they were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to retcon this and make it. Eh, <sighs> I'm fine with just like saying in this universe, they're all Hispanic. Um, so yeah, Diego Luna, Oscar Isaacs, John Leguizamo, they're all there. It, we're having a fun time at this mansion that is a getaway resort, but turns out it's a, it's all a ploy and Slimer or a Slimer knockoff is going to come and kidnap them. And by them, I mean, specifically Oscar Isaacs, who is the Mario character. And Diego Luna is just like, oh, this is an adventure. Like, you're a great hero, Dad. We need to learn. We need to go find this guy and save him. And if there's anything we've learned from Luigi Mansion uh, video games, it's that Luigi's actually very much a big scaredy cat. Um, But now it's amplified because this is John Leguizamo's first mission without his good brother Mario, and he has to prove himself to his son while hiding the fact that he's actually a really huge coward. Um, And so this is going to shake Diego Luna or baby Luigi's uh, beliefs and what he thought his dad really was. Cause, Oh, you're actually just like the scared shadow shell of a man of your brother. And so there's a lot of father son tension there. Um, They they're going to run into Tom Holland. Who's going to be in old age makeup playing professor Egot 
or Egon. I can't remember. Um, Egad? He's the one. Egad. Egad. That's the name. Tom Holland doing a Billy Crystal in Princess Di- <laughs> or Princess Bride, where he just plays like 50 years older than he is. He's going to make the the vacuum machine that they use to capture the ghosts. And Diego Luna uh, goes on the adventure and he's trying to show his dad like, hey, maybe maybe you really deserve to be the lesser Mario brother. I'm going to live up to my uncle's reputation. But then Diego, with all of his inexperience, gets captured halfway through. John Leguizamo has to really take a stand, really show what he's made of. And he goes and saves the day. We still have some casting to do. We need... We need a Bowser. We need a King Boo. I already have Bowser. Uh, this is where did, I... Th- did we ever resolve... We, this is all live action, right? Yeah. Okay. So Bowser in the original movie is a guy in a in a lizard mask, right? Yeah. He's like human, but his head is a lizard. But we've come a long way with, with CGI. Like, we could get... Uh, I guess, like... Who's the guy who's the fish monster in... Uh, Shape, Shape of water. water. Doug Jones. He does like all the monster work. We oh, could he go does. No, I've already got it figured that, yeah. out, guys. We could go that route. I've already got it figured out. You ready? L- let me just tell you. You got it? You got yeah, it? Yeah, I've got it. Um, Bowser is going to be... We're going to have like a slight adaptation. And it's just going to be played by American businessman Doug Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Bowser of Nintendo of America. Of Nintendo of America. And he's, well, he's kidnapped Reggie fils and... Anyway, that could be kind of a side plot, maybe. I don't know. Um, I think that's I think that's one funny take. <laughs> I I would prefer to keep the meta for your movie though. Okay. Um okay, that's fine. I do like the idea of Doug Jones. I also like the idea of Andy Circus doing some mocap. I think Andy Circus could be a, a pretty good crazy Bowser. But I want to I I wanted to run this by you guys. How will this lead into the bigger, wider mushroom kingdom? and or Super Smash Bros. world. Uh, I think it's important to start with a very intimate story of father-son, John Leguizamo saving the day, and then realizing, you know what? Baby Luigi, you deserve this vacuum more than I do. Go be the better hero than I am. I (laughs) saved my day. I showed that I have some worth, but it's your turn. And then we have Diego Luna leading... The Super Smash Bros. universe. So, so here's what we need. What we really need is to acknowledge that baby Mario and baby Luigi grow up to be the actual Mario and Luigi of the Super Smash Brothers universe. Ooh. Yes. Because there are no baby Mario and baby Luigi in Smash. Not yet, anyways. Correct. But I also a little bit will. It would be a little bit messed up if you're just like destroying a baby with a laser sword. Yeah. I'm fine beating a baby in a go-kart race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's I'm not, where I line. not smashing them with a hammer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's how it's got to be. Um, I had another question. Yes. Um, does that mean that they're really just the Super Mario cousins? <laughs> the Super Mario cousins. <laughs> I never thought about that. But it's, yeah. it's a fresh take. It's new and invigorating. People are going to see that on a billboard like, what? The Super I, Mario Cousins. I would Cousins. love for the movie to be just called Super Mario Cousins. <laughs> That's not my Mario's. <laughs> These aren't your dad's Mario and Luigi. <laughs> That's, um, That's going to be on the billboard, too. I do love that. That will be the next movie. That's where they team up. Uh, Oscar Isaac will have more of a chance 
to show his talents as baby yeah. Mario Jr. Um, but like if I had to boil it down, essentially this movie is the Luigi Mansion movie. Yes. And so, and it is a transition between the original Super Mario Brothers movie and the the Super Mario Cousins movie that will then establish this Mario and Luigi as the Mario and Luigi of the Smash universe. Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. And I, I think that's good. I can't stress this enough. Luigi needs to be the founder of this cinematic universe. Like Iron Man, no one thought Iron Man was going yeah. to be the leader of the MCU. We gave him a chance. He did great with it. Luigi, yeah. it's your time to shine. For little brothers everywhere, for the Casey Afflecks and the TJ <laughs> Watts out there, this is your turn. Can we introduce Waluigi? And it's also baby Luigi, and I like that a lot. Can we have Waluigi at some point yes. in the film? Um, oh my gosh, can we cast Waluigi? Let's cast Waluigi right now, because I think we need a little seed of like, oh, that's like my super awful second cousin, Waluigi Baby Jr. <gasps> Guys, I got it. Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner is an amazing Billy Eichner as Waluigi. Waluigi From casting. Billy on the Street. That's the best Waluigi uh, I've Parks ever read in my life. Lion King. Yes. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be so great. Yes. Okay. Okay, what role can we bring him into Luigi's Mansion? Um, and sorry, I think Waluigi is defined by his his the fact that he's always just kind of around. What if he's just staying in the hotel? What if he's like the victim <laughs> so, that is like, guys, something's going on here. He would be like the creepy would, uncle in this, for in this scenario, right? What? He would be like the creepy uncle, like because he's 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 this Mario and Luigi's That's true. uncle, and so we don't. Well, in in the movie timeline, we could establish that Waluigi is the same age as baby Luigi and baby Mario. That's true, I guess. Right? Because yes. he's the same Waluigi who is an assist trophy in Smash. Okay. Yes. Wait, no, that would make him... Wait. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> is... I think he's also Luigi's son. Ooh. We're canonically establishing that Waluigi is Luigi's son. Whoa. What if he's an adopted son? And that is another point of interest. Where yeah. it's like a whole like Thor and Loki brother rivalry because one of them is an actual son, one is not. I, and I think that's like a good way to explain like why they have some similarities, but they're not actually the same. Also, yeah. I think it's really funny if you just take your kid and be like, you are John and you are what John? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a really funny concept to me. Yeah, Luigi and Mario is pretty normal for like an Italian family to name their kids, but uh, like the the, yeah, the backstory behind that name could be that uh, so he he had the two kids, one he just named Luigi, and the other one cried a lot, so he's like, ah, we're just gonna call you Wah Luigi, Wah Luigi. <laughs> what if oh, what if his name is Wally throughout most of the movie? Oh, and, and then the big plot twist at the end is, wait a minute, I'm I'm your brother, Luigi. Wow, Luigi, love it. Um, yeah, that'll play. What if? But also, I'm questioning Billy Eichner again. I don't know if he can pull this off. <laughs> I don't know he, um, if he can pull Billy off. I wish Billy Eichner was was like f- six inches shorter so he could be Wario. Because I won't really want to see fit. that. What if it's? I, I just googled tall actors. What if it's Joel McHale? He's six <laughs> foot four. I mean, I mean is that is really? a take. He he's a little too cool to be Waluigi though. Yeah, he is. What if in this universe, baby Waluigi is super rad? 
Like he has yeah. a, a, by, like a leather jacket and everything. I feel like you need a What about Ryan Reynolds? Mm, you need you need an actor What about Army Hammer? Who? <laughs> Are you just going down the list and just being like, "Hey, what about this?" What about one? Liam Neeson? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got an actual good one. What about Jeff Goldblum? He's 6'4". Wow. Uh, I take everything back. Jeff Goldblum is Professor Egad. Oh, that's a good Egad. I've, I've got really an actual good, good one. Because um, I feel like whoever does Waluigi needs to have like kind of a hook nose and like very sharp features. And so Adrian Brody would be a good Waluigi. It's pretty solid, yeah. Adrian Brody's a good one. Sacha Baron Cohen is also on the list. Uh, and I think he uh, would fit that a little oh, bit. Oh, that fits pretty well. I feel a little bad. I feel like... I've kind of forced us into developing my movie a little more. Is there anything we want? Well, yours was very, well, yours depended a lot more on the casting. Like mine was very, like I, I couldn't tell you an actor in 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? That's fair. So Tally Berry. So I, I, I think you, we've now reached the stage of development on your movie that we should make a decision though. Um, is there any last comments for any of our three movies of anything else we want to see added to it? Dark Tower, it, the make the remaking of the Dark Tower, the direct sequel starring J.J. Abrams, Ron Howard, and the cast Stephen of Dark King. Tower with Stephen King as the antagonist. Um, and I, th- I think Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool shows up at some point just because maybe Matthew yeah. Broderick plays like a Ferris Bueller type in it. Your movie, a real like based off of they might be giant song, but kind of secreted out so people don't realize it's a joke, but it's actually like trippy and weird, and people will write think pieces about it. This one, we're building, uh, doing a Ghostbusters type movie to kick off the Super Smash Bros. cinematic universe. I think those are all pretty good pitches, very distinct. Yeah, I think we oh, get I the green light to- from the studio. I do need to point out something on Luigi's Mansion. Um, would it just be called Luigi's Mansion, first of all? I think so, unless we have a... I think that's that has a lot of name recognition. Yeah. Second of all, you, you referred to the, the antagonist as a Slimer or Slimer ripoff. Shouldn't it just be Gooigi? I, I mean, Gooigi's kind of your assistant in oh, Luigi's that's right. Mansion. I actually haven't played Luigi's Mansion, so... But I think that's a good twist. I think we started off that way. Uh, yeah, by the end, he's a friend. people up. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, my brain is kind of broken <laughs> from all of this. That means we're in we a We basically spot. just did three episodes of the Silver Screen Redemption in one episode of Perfect Brainstorm. Hey, so. wow. That was intense. Look how, much, look how far we've come since then. We're a lot better <laughs> at podcasting that we yes. can fit three episodes into one. Yeah. That's your contribution, Jake. So tell your Thank family you. to suck it. Efficiency. I <laughs> in, will in your, tell them that immediately. <laughs> I'll walk into the living room right now and just announce that. And I'm sure it'll go over really well. <laughs> I I don't want to pick. Yeah. What if we just what if we just sign off? <laughs> <laughs> we made three great movies. So we made Luigi's Mansion, 2082, a the the a time odyssey. And uh, the Dark Tower one and a half. Did we name yours? <laughs> I think it and uh, Dark Tower one and a half worked. Okay. Um. What if we just call this the temporary return of the Silver Screen Studios? There we I, go. No, I think it should just be called all three of those movie titles. Okay. 
a deal. 2080, but with mine first, because mine was the most long and incoherent. <laughs> Yours was the most uh, built out, I would say. I think fair. I think you earned the right to have. We'll do them the in alphabetical order then, <laughs> starting with Perfect. numbers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, is there anything else we need on this? My brain is also broken, and the brownies are starting to wear off. Okay, now here's the next. Here's the last thing. There's no way to watch just one of these movies. You go to the drive-in, you get all three. <laughs> it's a three-peat. It's a it's a three-peat's yep, nothing. It's a it's a, a, it's a threesome. <laughs> it's a three-way. I don't know. It's what do they call it when it's a, when it's two of them? Uh, I can't even think of that double, double feature. That's a double. It's a triple feature is the term. Yep. Okay. The very first drive-in triple feature that we know of brought to you by the perfect brainstorm. Oh boy. Uh, cool. You can check us out on the internet. Um, if you still like us after this episode, uh, <laughs> at perfectbrainstorm.net. Um, we're on Twitter at perf brainstorm and on Instagram at perfect brainstorm. Um, what's our next topic? Oh, it's me. It's my okay, topic. Hey, look at that. Tell us about your next topic, Brian. Perfect. So the next topic is Maligulus Caliculi. Um, what the crap is that? Exactly. That's that's literally the, the episode is we're going to figure out what Maligulus Caliculi is. It is a phrase, a nonsensical phrase that has been in my head since I was a child. I made it up <laughs> or I I heard it's a it's just this, it's just a phrase. It doesn't mean anything yet, um, but it I, it's like. There's a. Are we trying to sync this podcast? Like, do we? Are we really just trying to get people to hate us so much that we have an excuse beyond our own to end it? No, no, no. I hold on. Let me let me explain a little bit more though. So, maligulus by itself does have an Urban Dictionary entry. Uh, it is an adjective meaning if you find yourself in a situation where you're either at a loss for adjectives the word maligulous would be substituted for any adjective one would normally use to describe the situation, person, place, or thing. The word maligulous would also be used in a situation where one would want to use a number of adjectives, but would like to describe the situation, person, place, or thing using only one word instead of several adjectives. We don't have to stick with that. Hmm. But what I wanted to point out is other people have, have put together this collection of syllables and thought that sounds good and should mean something. Okay. Yes. Caliculi. C-A-L-I-C-U-L-I is the plural of colliculus, um, which is a bud-shaped or cup-shaped structure resembling the closed calyx of a flower, um, Hmm. which that means nothing to me. So we have these words, and I think they sound good together, um, and I don't, but I want them to mean something. I want them to be the name of something. I want them to be a magical spell of some sort. I just want some meaning that I can apply to the phrase maligulus colliculi so I can get it out of my head. Got it. Like okay. it's been in my head for at least a decade. Maybe two decades probably. Okay. I'm down. It's a weird phrase, and I don't know how I thought of it or where I, I like pieced it together in my head, but I, I, I need to be free of this condition. We're gonna fix okay, your brain, Brian. Do don't Maybe you? Maybe it worry. is a condition. Maybe maligulus colliculi is a is a medical term. I don't know. Wow. Well, so I have that's the setup. I have ideas buzzing, but we'll save them for next time on this episode, uh, which oh, might not actually be stuff. next time. It might be like two episodes from now. We have like two episodes right now that are just are in sort of recovery floating in limbo yep. in the podcast 
graves. So right if it's now. not that one, it'll be something else that you're you're expecting. So, um, perfect. Let's wrap up this episode. Uh, probably our longest episode yet. Maybe we'll edit it. Okay. All right. I'm Jake Bush. Sounds good. Uh, I'm Houston Bodily. I'm Bram Perry. And this has been the perfect brainstorm. Whoa, 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 Thanks whoa, whoa! That was a real us. outro. <laughs> we did we, it guys we did it pretty well i actually to be fair i didn't hear yours at all jake and i was really confused wait you didn't hear what he was the very first one he was eager to get yeah, it going I didn't hear it and i'm just gonna cut off the podcast right now wait so tom DeLong. sounds messy tom DeLong. <laughs> tom DeLong. <laughs> okay now we can stop all right you know tom DeLong could have just been the star of my movie i mean we, that's ne- fair. we never cast him i'll be silent i always have been Darkness floods your eyes When you need to see Don't waste your time on me Don't waste your time on me